All right, guys, welcome back to Within Tolerance. This is episode 32, and it's just Dylan and I. And uh, we're just going to talk shop. So I guess without further ado, Dylan, what is up in your world of things? So we are back to being slammed with work. Um, I told you, I don't think I, I said it on the podcast, but like we, I wasn't worried at the beginning of the year, but it was just a strange thing where the customer that was feeding us a ton of work at the end of the year last year just went radio silent. And like, I didn't hear a word from them. I tried emailing them, didn't hear anything back tried calling one of my contacts, didn't hear anything back and finally got in contact with them. And they were like, Hey, you know, we just, everything we have currently, we have to keep in house. Um, and so I was like, Oh, okay. You know, that's fine. Like we had plenty of work to keep us busy. Um, but they came back strong this last week and dumped a whole bunch of quotes on us and everybody else has been keeping us really busy. So, um, yeah, we've just been knocking out a bunch of parts and trying to get through this, I wouldn't say backlog because it's not late, but just, you know, trying to keep up with all these orders and stuff. Stay on top of things. Yeah. And then uh, I think since the last time we talked, because we, everybody that's listening, there's been no break in episodes, but we haven't talked in two weeks now because yeah. we recorded our um, episode that was unexpected and then recorded with Eric that same Friday and then didn't talk the whole next week. So um, we also got right. our our brother hooked up wirelessly with the help of Ben from Freelux. Um, so now we can just drag and drop files to it from the computer, which is feels like such a luxury and that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw your video. That was pretty nice. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I mean, even using USB, sometimes I you know hesitate to go make a real quick change because it's like, oh, well, then I got to go take a USB. I got to go over there, post it to the USB, bring it back over, load it from the USB. And like now it takes... 10 seconds to make a small change and so it's like oh if i want to change that ramp feed rate real quick why not you know um, yeah there's not that burden of oh no i gotta repost or can i just leave it how it is and be fine and you're lazy about it yeah yeah so it, it it's been super super nice and definitely this spoiling us but uh we also did i posted it yesterday as part of my uh, machinist therapy hotline photo of the day which i'm actually two days behind now but uh <laughs> Uh, we did this big, our, our next door neighbor at our shop is a core driller for like mining. He goes and, you know, drill, drills cores to get them analyzed for, you know, what minerals are down there or whatever they're looking for. And he built his drill from scratch years ago and is wow. going through and refurbishing the whole thing. And he took it to, I, 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 let me back up a little bit. He tried to get us to do some of the refurb work. And most of the parts are really, really big and just stuff that we usually don't touch. And we're like, you know, I, I think you're going to be better served by going to a, a manual machinist or somebody who could take the time to set it up. And, you know, we, we would charge you too much to do this how you want it, I think. And he took it somewhere and the guy just botched the entire thing. And so oh, <laughs> we're nice and he only trusts us now. And so he's been coming to us and we've been repairing all the work that this other guy screwed up. Um, but that was what I posted. We put this giant side of, I don't think it's the gearbox. I think it's the, well, it's kind of like, it's like a gearbox that raises and lowers the the mast of this drill. And so he needed a few holes that were drilled crooked, uh, you know, cut out and then bushed. And so we did that for him. And yeah, it's just, we've been super busy and keeping, keeping busy doing a, a lot of different things. 
Well, that's always good. Variety is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little bad because we are supposed to have already been done as of last Friday with the TIE Fighter project. And like, I've gotten very little work done on it just because I had to put it off for, you know, paying work, which thankfully Julie from Saunders Machine Works was really understanding about, but I still feel bad. I'm, I'm hoping to get at least some of it done this week and definitely finish it up this weekend. Yeah, try to sneak in there and do what you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't help that like everybody seems like they're in a rush. Like we've had two customers pay expedite fees this week. And so it's like, well, you know, obviously they get machine time before me, I get to play. But yeah, it, you know, it's it's been good. It's been really good. That's actually a question I just thought of. So you said expedite fees. How do you do that? <laughs> Is it just kind of like you feel them out? Yeah, I kind of shoot for the hip from the hip. You know, uh, I usually when somebody asks for an expedite fee the first time, whatever I go with then is usually what I just stick with for them from then on, you know. Is it just like a couple like, I don't know, like, is it 10% or do you have a percentage or do you just kind of round up or? Usually it's just a flat rate, like unless they're asking for, you know, 24 hour turnaround or something and like. It really depends on how how the RFQ is worded. If they're like, hey, we're dropping off material tomorrow morning and I need parts back the following morning, it's like, well, I know they're in a real bind and like, I'm not going to rake them over the coals, but it's also really inconveniencing me. And so I'm going to charge them more than like a standard expedite fee. But like, usually I do like a flat rate and not like a per- percentage of the order. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know that I do it very well but we also i don't know like an expite for us is like super super rushed whereas like you know most of our orders are fairly quick turnaround anyway yeah it like i i charge them enough to make it worth it for us and make it worth it for them i guess yeah i mean you gotta like you said it's it can be very inconvenient if you're running production or on something and it's going smooth and then Mr. Bozo comes in and is like, hey, we need this tomorrow. And it's like, well, I'm going to kind of jack you a little bit for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely take into account like, okay, how many hours am I going to waste tearing down what I currently have and resetting it back up later? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it it all goes into it. But again, I, I don't think I've put as much thought into it as I need to, but it also doesn't come up all, all that often. So I just haven't had the practice, I think. Yeah, I've never run across that yet. Normally, luckily so far, my guys have been understanding enough. Like if they say they're in a rush, like a rush is like a week instead of two weeks. Right, right. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the one I'm doing right now was a week. They they just said we want to do it expedited. When can you have it and how much are you going to charge us for it? And it was like, well, I can finish it in just under a week. And here's what it's going to cost you. And they, that was totally okay. fine for them. So, yeah, I think it's right now with my current customers, it's just kind of a little negotiation. I've never I've never had to tell them that the date they wanted needs an expedite fee. Like they always bring it up first. They're like, hey, we need to expedite this. What's the fee and how much are the parts going to cost? So that that makes it a little easier. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, things have been going well. Uh, besides have you gotten that. your uh, subplate yet? No. So that oh, that was the other thing I was going to bring up. Thanks for reminding me. Um, they emailed 
they emailed Clarence at Yamazin saying that they needed another, I think it was two weeks last week, because last week was the week they were supposed to deliver it. And so I think we're still a week out, I want to say. Who's they? Orange? Orange, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm hoping... I had heard from another one of our customers. They just bought a whole bunch of orange stuff, and they their order was also pushed back a few months ago. Um, so I'm, I'm, but you know, I think with all of these new product introductions, like they're just trying to get everything underhand. You know, they're probably slammed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got the new vices. They got the new bench vice. Plus, they're starting to do all these subplates and stuff. Like, I think it's just a lot to get comfortable with as a production shop like they they're six inch vices they knock those out of the park and they seem like they're really comfortable with that product line and i think the from what i've heard and what i've seen like the five axis vice had a little bit of teething issues with like the center screw that they are now making in-house and i'm sure that the uh zero point systems and all that have their own teething issues that they're just trying to get get together yeah that's why it's it's good for them. I love seeing a company like them busy, but I still really want to have him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping sometime this year, uh, Eric will want to come on and talk with us about vices and you know how he got started and all that stuff. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, so I they emailed me. I just checked a week ago, saying they needed two weeks. So hopefully by next Tuesday or next week, sometime we'll we'll know that it's being delivered soon. Okay. And then I, I can't remember if last time, oh, so last time, no, I, I posted on Instagram about it or in my stories, but I didn't, we didn't talk about it, but I, we did a whole bunch of re, not refinishing, but like cleaning and redoing like this whole, it was like the corner of death behind the kitty. And it was just like tons of car parts and machining parts and, and holders that we don't use and all kinds of crap that was just strewn all over in this corner. And it was this dark corner with, you know, it, it was where the power switch for the kitty was. And so it was always a pain getting back there. And finally I was at Costco and saw this, they have a fairly nice shelving unit. It's like four or five shelves and they all can hold 2000 pounds each. And it's like 150 bucks or something like that. That's an easy buy. Yeah. So I, I saw it and finally was like, Hey Brad, you need to borrow a truck. We're going to buy that and we're going to redo that corner. And we did it last weekend. I want to say, and man, it just feels so nice. Like looking back there, we did that. I, I did our programming desk a little bit. Um, and it's just, it feels so nice to look back there and be like, ah, oh, I, I can see the floor and like I can walk back there easily. I threw out probably, I don't know, 100, 150 pounds of car parts that I had just been holding on to as yeah, part of just... my one of my project cars. And I was like, I do not need any of this. Like I'm never going to use this. Just toss it. Yeah, sometimes you got to just let go and realize like, you know, it's kind of that you want to keep everything because you're saving money quote, but then it's like, okay, I'm never getting to this or whatever. Yeah, well, and like that's, you know, one of the lean wastes is is excess inventory. And like this wasn't technically, you know, business inventory, but it was taking up space and mental space and clutter and just like it was a, an absolute mess and it feels so good back there and now i want to go back and buy maybe another one or two of those and redo our material rack and like we've got a few other areas that could be easily cleaned up with another one of those and so we'll see what all happens i, I actually just purchased a like desk for shipping as well 
because like right now our bubble wrap is just like on our main workbench and like gets covered in chips every time I use the chop saw and <laughs> I've got like my paper dispenser somewhere else and I've got the tape that just kind of floats around and like we're shipping enough stuff now that it makes sense to just have like one central location for all that stuff to live. And it frees up a, another drawer in our snap on toolbox where we keep all our tools. So I'll be able to redistribute everything to a third drawer. Now it's like right now my chamfer mills are overflowing their little shallower bin. Um, I don't have a place for like custom form tools. I don't have a place for inserts. It's just kind of a mess. Yeah. I need to, uh, I want to go through, I have a center table in my shop that has a bunch of stuff on the bottom shelf then underneath it. And I've seen people use like baker's racks with those stainless like shelves that like just pull out or like the pans almost. Yeah, we've got those. Yeah. I've How much, those aren't that expensive, are they? I think, so we got a half, a half baker's rack. So it's only what, three feet high, maybe two, yeah, three or four feet high, something like that. It holds... Oh, I don't know, 12 of those sheets. And I think I got the rack and all the sheets for like 120 bucks. Yeah, I'm definitely getting one of those. I'll, I'll find the the link. I want to say it was it was called something like Baker Supply or I, I can't remember exactly what it was. But yeah, we bought that and was like, yep, that's an easy, easy purchase. And it works really well, really, really well, actually. Yeah, I just I want to try to create some more open space and like you said, get rid of clutter. And I really like that idea of being able to, you know, keep parts on their trays and you could even keep your tools and your, you know, setup sheet or your um, prints on all of those. Like it could be a cool little system. Yeah, totally. Um, I will say, and somebody brought this up when we were purchasing it the first time is that it, it's possible that you can like lose parts on there because they they do stack so close together. Um, so it's you just got to stay on top of it, like and, and know what you have on there. You don't want to uh, stack them so close that you lose. Like, oh, I've got to do this, and it, like you forgot that it's on the second and bottom shelf, and it's like, oh shoot, I totally forgot about that, and it's just been sitting. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, like it, it, because because it's so short and there's so many shelves. Like I think if you went a tray, every other shelf, it's probably better than if you have like 12 of them, it's better to have like six racks in there instead. Yeah. Or even 3d print little tags and put the tags on the shelf that you're using or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like clip on the end. I don't know. Or just a sticky note. Yeah, totally. Um, we, we have those, red traveler sleeves that we bought from McMaster that we, I always put with the parts that are in there. And that way, if I see red, you know, from across the room, I know that there's parts in there. Oh, gotcha. I can't seem to find the baking sheet purchase email, but I'll I'll see if I can find it later and send it over to you. And then I can always put it in a Instagram post. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Then another question I had for you. So as far as quoting goes, like I just said off air, I got like 10 parts to quote and they're all over the place. They're half Delrin, half aluminum. Um, and they want like, you know, quantity prices for one, five, 10. And then the other ones, they want one, 10, 25, 50 and a hundred. And my question to you is 
when do you quote parts? Do you quote them during the day, during the night? Are you running your machine and you're like, I got nothing else to do for 20 minutes between cycles? Like, I'm curious, do you have to put yourself in kind of a mindset? Because I found that I, I can't really be doing anything but like quoting. Like, I really have to focus. Um, I, I do it like all day. Like, uh, there are some parts that I can just see the print and know roughly what the cycle times are going to be. Um, you know, aluminum is typically between 4 and $7 a pound, it seems like, um, depending on the quantity and where you're getting it from and stuff. So you can... Infusion, it's really easy to, you know, quickly find your stock size using, you know, the, the relative stock size box, take those numbers, multiply them together, multiply them by 0.1 for 0.1 pounds per cubic inch, then times seven, and then times the amount of parts you need. And like that gives you a good estimation of material cost. Oh, and then I add a dollar per cut because it seems like IMS and places like that usually charge you a dollar to two dollars a cut. Okay. I've never thought about doing it that way. I normally just find the stock size and then I just start crunching the numbers, but I like your way of just to get a quick idea. And if you're, if you're high, you'd rather be on the high side. Well, there's a couple bonus dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that, you know, doing it that way, I would say I hit either very close to the number or just over the number, like 75% of the time. And then the other 25% is split between me being like, double what what it ended up being or like you know 75 percent of what it ended up being so usually i either make exactly what i expected on the material or i make a little more and then very very rarely do i lose money on material yeah and it's usually like really large parts that i'll i'll screw up somehow like the the material will be harder to come by or something and Usually those parts have so much into the machining time that if I lose, you know, 30 bucks on material or 50 bucks on material, I've gained it back, you know, double that in machining time. So I I try not to beat myself up too much. Okay. And that kind of goes to another question as far as how fast are you at quoting? Obviously, you've got more experience than I do. And I really like that system now that I think about it for getting material prices. But do you... I know we've talked about this a while back, but I know you have kind of like a quoting Excel sheet that you run through, but I mean, sometimes like I'm looking at some of these parts that I was telling you about. I mean, like, I just know this isn't going to be anything over like a $20 part. Like it's just a prismatic shape with a couple holes in it. And do you just kind of like, is that where you just kind of kick in and start feeling out the customer? Um, Usually I'll run unless the quote needs to be turned around like in 30 minutes or something, usually I will run every part through the quoting spreadsheet just to get a rough idea. And like, I won't spend, I don't know, I'll spend like 30 seconds inputting numbers that I think are rough numbers. Like, Oh, you know, typically for any part, if I don't have any tools loaded and I don't have anything, it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes to set it up. You know, just, I know turning on the machine, warming it up, finding all my tools, setting all my tools, all that stuff. So I'll put that into like the first op and the second op. I'll usually add another five or 10 minutes to design and machine the soft jaws. And so I'll put those in real quick. I'll put in rough run times that I think I can hit. And I think there's a slot for programming time in there. And then if there's any 
anodize or anything like that. There's a place for outside processes. And so I'll put all that stuff in and just give myself a rough number. Cause like there have been parts that I'm like, Oh, that's, that's gotta be a $15 part. And I'll put it in. And like, even with like fairly conservative estimates, it'll be like a $30 part. I'll be like, huh, I guess, I guess that makes sense. And I'll go back through the numbers and be like, Oh yeah, you know, I guess, I guess there's more time into this than I actually thought. Like it, it's okay. simple, but there's still three ops or it's simple, but there's still this soft jaw or fixture I have to make. And like, so it, it helps me at least put me in the ballpark. And then the rest of it is like, yeah, historical sales with the customer. Um, do like, there are some customers that it's like, I know that they're just making brackets to hold tubes. And then it's like, there are some customers that I know are making tight tolerant stuff that needs to be, you know, as tight as possible. Like they might be plus or minus five, but like they really want it as close to nominal as possible. And I'll charge them a little more and give them not that I give them any better parts, but like I will make sure that they are as close to nominal as I possibly can, because I know that maybe their engineers aren't the best, or maybe they have had issues with parts in the past where it's like, Oh, these don't fit even though they're to spec. So I, I don't know. I think maybe it's, 70 30 or 60 40 spreadsheet and intuition okay interesting yeah i need to work on my spreadsheet more i might send it to you just and send you a video just of how i use it and get your feedback if you don't mind yeah yeah for sure i'm more than happy oh and uh, i just found the place i found the bun racks it's webrestaurantstore.com and the, the one i got is the 10 pan half height bun sheet it's like $57. $57. Oh, easy. Oh, no, sorry. $63 if you just buy one. And then I think the pans are three or four bucks a piece, something like that. I hope there's free shipping. I think it was. Or maybe if it wasn't free shipping, it was fairly cheap, something like that. Okay. I'll throw it in the, the chat for the Zencaster thing. And then we can always throw a link to it in the uh, Instagram post. For this episode yeah for sure but i mean it's not it's definitely like you know a chinese bun pan like it's it's sold under the regency brand but it's it's definitely not anything special yeah but it, you know it works it holds Cheaper weight than me making it <laughs> yeah totally i'm trying to find yeah so bun pan or the pans themselves the ones we got are like five bucks a piece so i think we okay. got 10 maybe so yeah like i said it was just over 100 bucks for everything oh easy yeah i can't believe I... we're talking about bun pans <laughs> <laughs> it, but it really it's the little things like i can't believe like now that we have that shelving unit and stuff it's like i can't believe i let that corner get that bad and like looking at our material rack the last couple of days it's like why have i not done anything sooner about this because it is such a like a pain point like every time i go to drop stuff off on the the material rack there's crap falling everywhere and it's like oh like just just fix it like what are you doing and so, then you want to start avoiding it and you know you're not going over there because of whatever reason and yeah exactly so it's yeah it's you know now that i'm seeing it and now that we're we're busy but like i i'm just seeing like you know it, it took us maybe two hours all said and done to go buy the shelf 
and organize everything maybe two and a half hours but like it has been such a big mental relief for brad and i it's like why why did i not dedicate two and a half hours sooner like i i I know i've wasted more than that on the weekends watching tv or something instead of working at the shop it's like why didn't i just do this and i bet you money that you enjoyed cleaning up and doing that too (laughs) oh yeah it was so nice yeah like i said we, we both like it's been now a week and every time we're in the shop together, we'll look over in that corner, like from time to time and be like, man, it looks so good. <laughs> you should just send a picture of that to Brad for no context and just see if he replies. <laughs> oh, I, I 100% am sure that he would, he would reply and be like, man, that looks really good. <laughs> like a winky face or something. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So what about you? What's what's been going on in the shop? You ask about quoting, but um, besides that, you've been running production, and it seems like you've been doing some business things with three D printing. Let's hear what's going on. So running that one hundred ten piece giant roughing job, whatever you want to call it, um, I actually just loaded up a part, and it just finished. I'm watching it on my big screen TV up here, and my machine is blinking at me, but that's fine. Oh um, yeah, I saw, I saw that. That's pretty nifty. Oh, it's awesome, and. I got to figure out, and I've looked into this, I should have the Haas Connect, and it should be able to text me when it's done. Um, I don't know. It says it's free with all machines. I don't know if I got in when that was a thing or not. I got to figure that out. Um, But that would be really nice. So even though I have the camera, it would be nice to get an audible ding and know that's the machine. Because sometimes I'm up here like printing, UV printing stuff, and listening to music and I just don't look at the TV and then, you know, 20 minutes has gone by. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I think you should be able to hook your Haas up to the network too, like ours is and drop uh, programs into it. I should be able to. Yeah. Cause see, it's got a, like a, I think it's just a cat five cable on the back. Um, Right. right. And I tried to plug that in. I see. I don't really know how that works to be honest. I would talk to, NYDLS uh, or NYDS? No, NYDLS thirty on Instagram. Okay. I feel like I just saw that he did this weeks ago, like a, a few weeks ago. Okay. And he's actually a listener, so yeah, I'm I'm sure that he'd. I mean, not that he wouldn't help anybody, but I'm definitely sure that he'd probably help you out if you reached out. Yeah, I've been meaning to do that. So yeah, that'd be a nice little upgrade, and then. So those parts are running, and like I texted you a while ago, so I've ran these parts. This is my third time running them, and the original cycle time, so it's a three-op part, and I'm doing an op one and an op two, and then I'll do all the op threes at the end. It's just a simple like cleanup cut um, at a weird angle. So for op one and op two, last time I ran these, which was like six months ago, I think my cycle time was like 45 minutes for op one and op two. Mm-hmm. And I got it down to 27 minutes. Nice. So, and I'm already looking and I'm like, I could get this down to like, I honestly, so I'm getting like two of them an hour versus like one and a quarter an hour. Wait, so you part. went from 45 to 30? Yeah, more or less. Damn. So, I, I mean, you do the math hours. and it's like, 12 or 14 hours I saved with all the edits I did. That's awesome. So that's like one or two days, depending on how much I work worth of work. Right. That's 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm really proud of that. And then, like I said, I'm already looking at it, how I could probably get it down to... I bet you I could get it down... Oh, probably another three or four minutes. If I could get it down to like 20 and do like three parts an hour, that would be killer. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So are so, you running You're running Op 1 and Op 2 all at the same time? Yeah, one, um, the Talon Jaws and the Orange Vice is Op 1, and then the other um, just has some really long, soft jaws that are just like more or less just a lip on them because it's like an 8-inch, is it 8-inch? Yeah, 8-inch long part, 10-inch long part, so... Nice. But yeah, that that material is just piling up in the machine. I've been posting pictures about that. Yeah, I, I saw. I mean, have it's, to do something about that. Yeah, it's I mean, it's fine. Just I rather it in the machine than filling up like right now I just fill up like garbage bags full of chips and <laughs> if I like pushed it into the auger, I would just fill up them even faster. So, as long as it's not in the way of the table, I'll just leave it in there and clean it up at the end. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of chips. I think it's four and a half pounds of chips per part that are coming off. Jeez. So yeah, it's like, I picked up, I think 700 pounds of aluminum and I'll end up with probably 500 pounds of chips. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. So it's pretty cool though with the sheer hog running and just, it just peppers the inside of the machine and it's like, oh, there goes the paint. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's bananas. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so speaking stoked, of though. uh Haas though, we were talking earlier through text about the new oddball Haases that are coming out and all their weird stuff. Yeah, what I'm trying to find some of the stuff on the website. I can't find it. So on their their uh it's like com, isn't it? Yep. On their main page there's a button that's like Come and see what's new uh, about halfway down the page. Let's see. And uh, yeah, they've got some weird machines coming out. Like it, it's, there must be the market for them. Um, but like there's the UMC 1500 SS Duo. Or, Can you send me a link to this? Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you right now. Um, it's so weird. It's like a, a 750 with 750 more travel in the x it's in the the chat on the zencaster yeah i see it um yeah it's like a 750 with 750 more x travel and a fixed bed on the left hand side of the machine what the heck yeah i mean it's cool i i guess i understand why people would want it it's 60 by 20 by 20 travels Wait, so let me get this right. It's basically a three axis and a five axis. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's it's the I think they say in the uh one of the blurbs, I can't remember where it's where I saw it, but it was like we took a seven fifty and added double the X travel and added a, a fixed bed. That's a huge machine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a sixty by twenty would be a what, a VF six normally? So it's like a wow. VF6 sized machine, but five axes on one half of it and fixed on the other. And then they have the UMC 1600H, which is now a horizontal five axis. <laughs> and that's Cat 50. Whoa, look at uh, the price tag on that. Damn. Yeah. And then the weirdest one is that they are having like a full VR 
lines of VR8, VR9, and VR11, which is an articulating head machine. I have not seen this. What the heck is this? Yeah. And so, like, if you, like, read through the... I guess it's not on the normal VR8 one. But they only come with the HSK spindle. And I think it's under specs or something. One of these places, it talks about they had to incorporate all these new G codes too. So like now there's G codes, like, you know how Haas has its uh, dynamic work offset. Well, now that it's a gimbal style head, they also have to include codes to like force the spindle to be force the spindle vector to be perpendicular to the feature it's machining um, and things like that. And like there's feature coordinate systems now instead of dynamic work offsets, or maybe they work in conjunction, but it's some weird stuff. That's weird. Yeah. And like there's vector jogging. So like depending on where the spindle is pointed, you can jog back along the vector. Like if you're down in a 45 by 45 by 45 hole, like degrees, you could vector jog out of that hole if you got stuck in it or something. I don't know. Then they got the massive EC500. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of really like, I don't know. It just, it seems like such a strange place for Haas to be pushing their tools. It's just not normally Haas. You don't think that. Right. Well, yeah, they're like the, like they go for things that everybody is going to use. Yeah, Whereas like, isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, I kind of wonder what the research behind that all shows. But anyway, it was kind of cool. And then I also saw, I sent you earlier, I don't think it's going to be coming up for your mill, but they have the parts loader that they've already demoed a few times on their lathe is going to be coming up for their mill as well. Yeah, I saw a video. I found that page on the website. I haven't, I don't know why I couldn't find this page, but. Yeah, it's it's weird because um, I've seen that like that five axis head they've had on gantry mills for a while. But I I did not expect it to be in a like VF style machine. Yeah, so. this is really weird. And they finally <laughs> put up the desktop mill for eight thousand. Yeah, that thing is freaking weird. <laughs> like, I, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like those are just going to be given to schools. Like oh, instead yeah. of having a Haas um, simulator, they'll have like a one of those instead. Oh yeah, and it's to compete with like Tag and what's the uh, and Pocket NC. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. The so real question is desktop mill versus Tormach. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't know. It's it like all of these just seem like very weird places out of for place. us to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's, I don't know. It, yeah, it would be like Toyota making some boutique, <laughs> tiny like British sports car or something. You know, like it's like what 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 are you doing? Um. So anyway, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where where all this stuff goes. But yeah, I, one thing I, I saw that uh. The UMC 500, I don't know if you saw it, but they're starting to offer them on discount. So oh, really? It's starting, because you think these new machines, right, they wouldn't discount them, at least for a while. But, right. I mean, in Haas, I guess being Haas, they're already willing to knock off 20% of the price. And I'm just like, wow, okay. Like, 
that starts to get interesting now. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I never would have looked at any of this, but uh, Daring Manufacturing, who fought or is a listener and uh, messaged me and sent me a link to the what was it V or UMC fifteen hundred duo. I like at first I thought it was some kind of photoshopped weirdness and then I like went to the website I was like holy crap this is real yeah that's weird so anyway just uh I guess some machining news that was worth bringing up because it's just yeah super bizarre I saw that all the new ones have touch screens too I was watching Jay Pearson's video on receiving their uh UMC 500 and they have a video about the touch screen yeah, I was literally looking. I was like, does my control have that icon? Nope. Okay, shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, it seems like it's kind of cool. I mean, I think it's not definitely not fully baked yet from what uh, Jay was saying and what I've seen. I, I think uh, Entirely Crimson on Instagram also has it on his uh, lathe. Yeah, I saw that. Like, it, it definitely... It seems like there's some pros and some cons and... Well, maybe not cons, but like things that don't work fully yet. So it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. I do like, though, how they're keeping, they're not going to just putting a TV on the side of your machine for a control like DMG Mori does, like, and there's like no <laughs> buttons. Because when I worked on a lathe that had Celos, yeah, I was not a fan of touchscreen. Yeah, yeah, they're... their interface seems a little strange for sure. Um, there's a a DMU 50 at the local community college that has that. And so and I think they have a Analex 2500 as well that okay. both have it. And like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's just like a weird, it's weird that you can get so many different controls behind the scenes and like the way they interact with the DMG CELOS interface seems like it's maybe inconsistent is the best word. Yeah. I'm not sure, but anyway, it, it's interesting. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes, but I don't doubt the touchscreen's the future, but... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I think that there needs to be more UI research into it and, like, making it actually useful. Yeah. Because, like, there, there's something to be said about being able to feel buttons oh, and, like, sure. touch them while you're, you know, your head is in the machine or you're, like, looking through the window. It's like, I know where this button is versus... You know, I, I have no idea because this is one screen. Yep. But I guess in the same token, like, I used to be able to touch type on my cell phone. My, like, for cell phones, all had buttons, and I could, like, touch type on those without looking. And, like, now I'm definitely not as good, but I can more or less do that once I've brought up the keyboard on my phone. Like, just muscle memory, I know where most things are. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So what do you got going on this week? Or, uh, yeah, the rest see. of this week. I should finish these parts up. Let's see. I'm looking at my workbench through my TV monitor right now. I have <laughs> three stacks of 10 left. So I got like 35 more parts to do and probably That's get what, 20 hours just under. Uh, no, 30 divided by two, 15. Like 35. So. Oh, yeah. So 17 hours, I guess. Yeah, I'll probably be done by tomorrow. I'd like to get them, if I can, maybe push to get them delivered Friday. I still got to go through and do that third op, but that only take that'll take like three hours to do all of them or something 
not too bad. Nice. So I like to get those done. I've got some molds that I would like to get done for myself um, because I'm just, <laughs> there's a couple things that are going on as far as parts go that we can talk about off air, but like this job <laughs> came up and then the company that does helicopter parts, you know, they're finally giving me the go ahead on some stuff. And then I just got this email from this other company with these 10 parts. And then I'm talking to these other guys and it's just like, Oh, okay. Like now I want a second machine again. And <laughs> it's kind of overwhelming. Cause it's starting to be like, I basically, I reached out to some people kind of like you did that one time and I wasn't expecting anything. And I didn't get anything for like two weeks, but then everybody replied and that's like now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. The floodgates opened and, and here you go. Yeah. So I guess enjoy the workload. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, that's kind of how it is with a job shop. Like it's feast or famine. You're, you're either crazy busy or not busy at all. It's like in what the four years Proteum, we've had Proteum. I think it's been maybe a few months where it's been like this is a manageable amount of work that i like feel comfortable doing this like you know it's either i'm scrounging for work and i need work right now or it's so much work that i feel like i'm pulling my hair out and losing my mind so yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah so we'll we'll see um i'm looking forward to seeing where you end up like i think that i think somebody was saying i can't remember who was saying it the other day, but like, if you wait, what is the saying? If you wait to buy a machine when you need it, it's too late. Something like that. Was that Jay that said that? Yeah, I think that was in one of his videos. Yeah. So it, it, but again, it's also, you know, money out the door and all that stuff. It's, it's not insignificant. It's not like you're buying a subplate or something like that, you know? Yeah. Or an end mill. Yeah. But, Did you uh, move forward on getting a pallet for your molds? You know, I haven't just because I've been so busy, but I've thought about getting a pallet also for some other parts. And so I might order like maybe four of them or something. Oh, wow. Awesome. So, and then I'm also, now that this job, because my two vices are kind of set up for this job and they have been for the past six months. And I'm really tempted to get another orange vice. So, my ideal setup would be three orange vices right next to each other. Yeah. Um, and then I was even thinking about your subplate today because I'm like, well, what if I wanted to take them off? <laughs> right. Well, and I think that I want to say that they were making the same subplate for your machine that they do for mine, like very similar. Yeah. If I remember, we have right, like that... the same travel. Yeah. Yeah, more or less. Um, and I, I but I want to say that they like even mentioned the dm series and this like the same exact post as the speedio um so yeah it might be worth looking into i mean like i said it it was surprisingly affordable for what it is yeah okay yeah we could be dealing with the same setups we could just be uh sharing our (laughs) offsets back and forth (laughs) yeah yeah exactly we could share our, our container programs and all that stuff I definitely am I'm looking forward to all of that. I need to go in. I think I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that I, I got some help on the high-speed codes for the brother, and I need to go in and modify 
all of my probing routines because if I go to the new um if I go to the new high speed codes, because there's two different modes of codes on the, the brother. Well, there's actually, I guess, three. There's mode A, mode B, B2, but then there's also these new mode A settings that came out in version 10. And if I go to them, it's a lot more like, uh, was it G187 for the Haas? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's a lot more like that where I can specify the level using just one code. Because like right now it's the stock... A codes that I'm using are like five or six different M codes. And like, it's like 260 through 268 maybe. And like, depending on which one you pick, it's rough or semi rough or finish or finish, finish plus or something. I don't know. I can't remember all the designations, but when you go to the new version of mode A settings, it's like just M. I want to say it's 285, but I can't remember M 280 something. And then I think it's L zero through five or zero through six. And so I have to go through and add L's M two eighty five L zero to the beginning of every single probe routine to turn off the high speed codes because it's much more like the Haas where there's constantly at least one of the codes active all the time as like a base code and then you modify it from there. Okay. So we'll see. I I, I just need to make time to do that because we've been doing some 3d machining and stuff and like the high speed codes work. Like you can see it slowing it down in the corners and things like that, but I think it slows it down too much. So I definitely want to go to the new version of the codes. Yeah. Just tweak it, get, get it right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to do. I mean, I'm just really happy that we got the, the Wi-Fi working and all that. That's even, even more time savings loading programs. Like I had to use the kitty for that drilling modification and like I was like, oh my god, waiting for programs to load. This is so lame. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like, I mean, it kind of comes back to get with the program. Like, look where we're at in technology. It's 2020. Like, come on now. Yeah, like within five minutes of each other, I loaded a like two or three hundred k program to the brother in t- literally two seconds, and then I loaded like a fifty k program into the kitty in like a minute. And I was like, this is dumb like how do we survive as a business like this yeah so i guess last thing i wanted to ask you before we wrap things up what's the uh are you still selling the kitty like what's the uh kind of plan for that yeah i'm just i'm struggling to find anybody who will either get back to me or like seems like they can do plexiglass because really the last things to do are cut that center shield between the pallets cut the overhead there and then just clean it up and sell it um i like i really want to get the other brother hooked back up to power actually i'm gonna have to do that this weekend because we've got some vacuum stuff to do oh that machine's not on power right now no it's just sitting um we only had two breaker boxes and we didn't really want to share i I think we're actually just gonna end up sharing the breaker box with the kitty for right now um but yeah it's i'm just i i really love the kitty but i think we've just been really lazy about getting it out of the shop and we need to stop that like we just need to get i'm telling you there's obviously that sentimental value but the second you get that out and you're hooked up with two brothers you're not gonna think (sighs) again about it it's gonna be so nice well just the room too like i'm so ready to have that much more room in the shop um so if anybody listening has any good hookups for somebody who can cut plexi like i can supply dxfs and all that stuff um i can even supply material if i really need to 
Um, I just, as of yet, I can't find anybody locally that seems like they either want to or can. Like I've reached out to one place locally that does laser stuff and like they didn't even get back to me. And uh, I've been looking around trying to find a place and like maybe I'm just using the wrong keywords or I I don't know what, but like I, I just have not been having much luck trying to find or finding somebody that'll do it. Yeah, you need to get that machine gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right, should we end it there? Yeah, nice little short one to catch everybody up. And then uh, next week, we are going to have Calvin from Urban Survival Gear on the podcast. Um, we'll go ahead and make a post about it and get everybody to put up some questions and stuff. But we're really excited to have him on the podcast. Yeah, so we'll talk to him next week, and then the following week after that, we'll be talking Dylan and I once again. Yep, and we are working on stickers and t-shirts right now. I know we said that at a 1,000. We are working on it, and as soon as we get them all squared away, we will go ahead and post up, and everybody can you know, buy what they want. We might do a little giveaway or something, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, we will see you guys next week.